another episode of burlers hurlers we're going to be talking about the Sox start to the season we got some hot players we got some cold players and i'm host dan joined by host don and let's get right into it with i mean don stradamus over here last episode i just want to point this out we're talking about carlos rodan first i said Rodon's first start was going to be six innings, no earned runs. Don countered he's going to throw a perfect game or no hitter. <laughs> I don't remember what you said. But I that think happened. I said perfect game. Yeah, that happened. And then that night, Rodon, six innings, no earned runs. And then the next game, perfect game through eight and a third. Don, Carlos Rodon, the prophecies. The legends were true. They were all true. Let's start with Rodon. I think it's like the most important thing I've done in my life is predict this no-hitter. I think we willed that into existence. We changed a man's fortunes through this podcast. If you visualize something, it's one step closer to being real. You speak it into reality. That's what we're here for. That's right. <laughs> I, have a, I have a mood board with like I cut out pictures of Carlos like out of magazines and pasted them onto a poster board like in fourth okay. grade. Yeah. So you're like Buffalo Bill on this prophecy then. Oh, it's happening. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's alarming. But <laughs> either way, Carlos Rodon, he's pitching tonight. The Sox are playing right now. We're not going to like do live updates, but I think he's already come out of the game. So we can... I mean, Well, let, let's start. I mean, it, speaking of alarming, 110 pitches through five innings after a deep no-hitter. Not super crazy about uh, Larissa Littman just rack up these pitches, but Rodon, like after a really nice start, are you buying him as not just like a stable rotation piece, but as, wow, this is who we drafted with a top five pick. This is like an all-star. This is a guy who's contending for Cy Youngs. Are you buying that he's finally reaching that potential? Not after three games. No way. Uh, because, you know, I was doing some research on Rodon before the show, and I was like, you know what? How does this compare to his career? His career numbers are bad, so he's never been good for a season. He's been good in, you know, short spurts. That's the book on him. So in order to reach those sort of accolades, you need longer excellence. So, no, I'm not buying it 100%. I'm buying that he's made changes and he's a more well-equipped pitcher this year. So I'm buying that he's going to be very good this year. Not that he's a Cy Young. I am, I am all in. I'm buying that he's, he's like not, he's not going to win Cy Young. He's not like better than Giolito. He's not better than Lance Lynn. But is Carlos Rodon, are we going to look at the Fangraphs leaderboards on October 1st and see, like, whoa, he had five wins above replacement? Like, I think that's possible. I think it's possible he could be, like, a top-ten pitcher in the AL 
I think it's possible, like, if you care about traditional stats where it's like, oh, he has 16 wins this year, you know? And I think that that's so... How far away was that, you know, a few months ago when he wasn't even signed yet? Like, it's crazy to think about that we're even having this discussion. Like, well, is he a good pitcher or is he an elite pitcher? Like, it's an insane conversation to be having. But, man, like, I'm so happy for him. I know I'm a homer. I know it's probably going to flame out in a couple weeks and he's going to have, like, a eight runs and two-thirds of an inning. But for now, I'm enjoying it. I'm all in. Radon's going to be on the All-Star team. I'm calling it now. Okay. I buy that. I'll buy All-Star team. You know, it's not like he's just figuring things out or making good you know, good locations. He's changed a lot of how he pitches this year. He's changed a lot of how he's pitched his whole career just because of injuries that have, like, changed his abilities. But this year, I feel like, again, it's the Ethan Katz super story. His changeup is different. His fastball is different. His pitch variety is different. So that's why I'm buying... He's going to have a really good all-star year. I'm in on that because, you know, you stay hot for half a year, you're in the all-star game. I see it happening just because I do like what he's done. It's not, like I said, he's not just, oh, he's having really good games. He's pitching differently, and it's working really well. Yeah, he's succeeding in a different way than I, like, predicted when I was kind of being silly at the start of the year. I assumed, like... Man, Carlos is still like not, he's still a young guy, but he's going to pitch like an old guy. He's going to pitch like Burley. You know, he's going to lose velocity, but maybe he'll gain some control and maybe he'll learn like another breaking ball and a changeup. I thought he would get by with that, just like that old crafty lefty. His fastball is literally the best it's ever been. Like, literally, it's the fastest it's ever been. And that slider, like, oh my God. So if you, if people like haven't watched, they've just like checked on the box scores. It's real. It's like not nonsense. Like this is real. And I, yes. I man, am so optimistic that this can continue. It's definitely nastier. He's added a lot of rise to his fastball this year. Oh, yeah. And that's huge. I mean, batters always talk about fastballs that rise being difficult to hit. He's increased his fastball vertical movement significantly this year. I was looking at it on Baseball Savant. And amazing website. Yeah, check it out. Baseball Savant on Rodan. Just on top of that, he's added vertical dip on his changeup, the work with cats. I mean, those are both directly out of a new pitching coach. It has to be. Where you get that sort of different, you know, you differentiate the pitch speed and the, you know, angle that it approaches the plate at up or down. That that's huge. And I'm really excited for this year. I mean, another guy who has really stepped up on this team when there's been some struggles, but we've had guys that we're, we're not expecting to count on, and right now they're carrying us. Oh, my God. Like, where would we be without Carlos Rodon? It's like such a silly thing to say, but wow. And I think there's you're right. There's more people, too, that you can ask that question of on this roster, and we can oh. get we can go straight into a short list of guys that the season would be in really bad shape right now. It's early. It's April, obvious. But, you know, there's big expectations for this team. 
So well, real, real quick about the just quick about the fastball. Um, I yeah, didn't. We can talk more. Too. We do a whole Rodan episode. <laughs> well, the, another guy's fastball, like the, the, I guess the shape of it. I forget the word. Like the location is Kopech, and I think it's it has to be Ethan Katz. Like Kopech is pitching differently this year. Rodon is pitching differently this year with that high rising fastball. And I mean, it's been years of us seeing Rodon getting hammered with his fastball. Like just homers out the wazoo. It's been like Kopech 99, but then like crushed. And these guys are learning to pitch up in the zone. And I don't know if it's like Giolito taught them how, or like Katz taught Giolito. Now they're all doing it. But. It's crazy how much of a difference just getting Don Cooper out has made already, like immediately. Kind of makes me sad because Don oh, yeah. Cooper tr- trotting out onto the field, getting you know more donut shaped every season. <laughs> it, it was comforting. It was like it was the Don Cooper and Hawk Harrelson era that carried those terrible teams. But may have now that we're past it, they may have made them terrible. <laughs> So you're saying Hawk Harrelson directly responsible for how bad the Sox were? Uh, no, but I would say that he negatively affected outside markets' opinions of the White Sox. Yeah, I'll agree with that. But yeah, it's... Uh, uh, well, who, who do you want? Do you want to stay pitching, or do you want to go to the obvious guy, like the big, big superstar? Well, it sounds like you want to get straight into... Yermination talk, Yerman Mercedes. Yeah, are you or buying? Do you it? want to get into? No, let's. Uh, we can, yeah. I'm buying it cheap. I'm not buying it expensive. If that makes uh, any sense, like it, there was no risk in having him on the roster, so it's it's obviously great. And you know, I'm not buying it long term. Like I'm buying Rodon just because it. I, I, his numbers are ridiculous right now. So how do you buy that? What if you're asking me if I buy, he's going to be like an 800 OPS type player. I probably wouldn't even buy that, but I believe he's going to have a great month or two and he'll probably cool off. I guess let me, yeah, let me be more specific. So I've read a few things on like white Sox Twitter or other, uh, other sites, other podcasts, where there are some people who think like this is the exact type of player that David Ortiz was just a nobody bounced around, couldn't catch a break. And then like radically transformed himself as a hitter and came out of nowhere to be terrific. So that's one end of the spectrum. Like this is a historically good hitter that is finally getting his chance. And on the other end of the spectrum is like, this guy is going to be in AAA in a month. It's He's going to go one for the, his next 39, and that's it. So, like, if those are the two ends of the spectrum, like, you're, which end are you more towards? That's uh, kind of a ridiculous question. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he the prototypical super hitter sent back in time to teach us baseball? Probably not. I mean, that's... No, I'm not saying, like, which side are you on. I'm saying it's a spectrum, and which side are you leaning towards? Oh, okay. I see. I thought you were giving me two options. <laughs> no. Jeez, this is tough. Tough. Uh, yeah. 
I'm probably like 70% on the super baseball player sent back in time to teach us yep. how to hit. I'm closer to that. I think he has a lot of power, raw power. And you know what? He, I, I don't think he can hit breaking balls very well, which is eventually going to catch up to him. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I see him. I don't see him on the roster at the end of the year. I'll put it that way. Oh, really? No. Do you? I mean, I think there's some, like, serious Carlos Quentin potential, you know, where – Quentin came out of nowhere, and I think he finished, like, fourth in the MVP voting that year in, like, 08. So I think there's potential for that where Mercedes, like, all he has to do is hit. I mean, it's not like he's thrown in the outfield. It's not like he has to learn a new position. He literally just has to hit. And I think he's shown that he's, like, a capable hitter. I don't think he's Daniel Polka. I, think he, I don't think he's, like, a disaster. I think Mercedes is, like, clearly a good hitter. The problem is... If we go on a run, we're like about to, it's clear we're going to make the playoffs. Is that a spot that the Sox look at as an upgrade? Like, yeah, your mean is fun, but I mean, we have a chance to really get an impact bat here. Are we okay with your mean Mercedes as the DH, as like a playoff team trying to make the World Series? And I think that's like a difficult question. Because I probably wouldn't be. Like, as much as we hated like the lack of moves. You know, not getting George Springer and not getting uh, an outfielder, not getting Nelson Cruz. Are we now, two weeks later, saying, oh, that's DH spot locked in because we got your mean Mercedes? That, that is a huge shift that I'm not necessarily comfortable with. That's exactly where I am. Like, I'm willing to, not, I'm happy to have Big Yad in the lineup until it doesn't work anymore. And I'll give him chances, as many as it takes. I just, I have no reason to say he's going to continue to hit at a historic clip for the rest of the year. I mean, if he can hit like 250, is that good? And like 30 home runs. that That's good, I guess. So he could do that. I think that's that. possible too. Like a 250 hitter, 30 homers, maybe like 1.9 wins above replacement. Like that's actually kind of a good find to just – pull out of the random minor leagues just nobody to get two wins above that's that's a really good find yeah i mean it could work out it could not i mean right now i'm just enjoying the ride uh, it's hard to i like i said it's a low buy because the Sox didn't buy anything they just put him on the roster because of injuries and then he ended up being their best player i guess on the on the flip side if we want to stay on hitting uh, as awesome and fun as Mercedes has been, like appointment viewing, you do not miss his at bats. Andrew Vaughn has sucked. And my question to you, like, does this? Are we nervous? I know it's only a few weeks in his career. You've never hit above single A. Do you still buy him as top ten prospect in baseball? This guy's going to be an important part of White Sox baseball for the next ten years. Are you nervous because he's been so so bad? I'm not nervous about how bad he's been. He's been bad. And I kind of want to do one more thing on Yem before we move on. But I can relate it to Vaughn, which is the positional management of Yem. Wouldn't you like to see him catch 
here and there instead of being strictly DH and then having Grandal play DH instead of putting Collins and Vaughn out there every day. What are your thoughts on that? I, in a vacuum, yes, but I think the fact that Zach Collins like caught a no hitter is important. Maybe he's like a better catcher than we thought. I think. You know, as much as it, we have to find out if Andrew Vaughn is ready, as much as we have to find out if your mean Mercedes is good, we also have to find out if Zach Collins is good too. So I'm not like necessarily concerned about seeing if your mean Mercedes is a good third catcher. I think a more important thing is to find out if Zach Collins is a good backup catcher, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. And part of my reasoning is I want catcher eligibility for fantasy. So that's a side side want. Because if you can get Yad as your catcher, that's that's a pretty good asset. I mean, my, my assumption is that he's a terrible, terrible catcher and that LaRusso would like to. He's just embarrassingly bad and would be a catastrophe. I think that's the assumption we should make. Yeah, without torpedoing his catching abilities entirely. Maybe he's just not a major league catcher. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, one more thing on this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm glad he's playing first now. I mean, I'm, I'm. I think he was like awful in the outfield when he played in those um, like instructional games last year. So We're that wasn't cool. now. Oh no, Mercedes. Yeah, oh, Mercedes. He outfield. In those like fake warm up games last year, when like the Sox played the like minor league Sox and Comiskey, and they like broadcast it. It was like that weird period of COVID when it was like fake baseball before real baseball. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, they had him playing left field. and I mean, he was a disaster. He was horrible. But first base, give Abreu some rest. Keep Grandal a catcher. I don't mind that. That's kind of nice. I like that. What I yeah. don't like is him pitching. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was bad. That game was over in the first inning. That's fine. You got to do what you got to do. What I don't like about it, like it's cute, I guess, but and he's a catcher, so he probably has a decent arm. But uh, what if he gets hurt? I know. Then your miracle know. wonder boy who's come and saved the team and he's the future of how batters are going to hit for the next 50 years, injures himself in the eighth inning throwing meatballs. How do you defend that? <laughs> It's it's indefensible. I, I think to pitch two position players in one game is just so weird. Like Larusa's done weird, weird stuff that in the moment it's like, eh, is this that bad? And you like question yourself if it's that bad or not. But then it keeps happening, like leaving guys in for two innings for no reason, pitching Mendic and Mercedes in the same game, letting Giolito just get like rocked in Boston and like not taking him out. All these little things add up where it's like, oh, God, Larissa's kind of having a disaster of a year. I kind of like the letting Giolito get rocked in Boston move. Just, I don't know. You always feel like sometimes when a pitcher's getting rocked, they're like, oh, I could have gotten out of it. I don't know. I feel like Giolito's kind of earned that sort of. Just to we'll get shelled for like eighty pitches. We'll see if you can get out of it. You know. Yeah, true. It's like you know what? We're gonna let you lose this game. 
It's in your hands. We're not going to take the ball out of your hands before the third inning unless, you know, it's horrible, 20 runs. Right. So I, I kind of like it for that reason. Anything else on uh, Mercedes or shitty, no, we can jump shitty into Vaughn? Yeah. Take a shit all over Vaughn right now. I, I, I'm not too worried. Here's why I'm not too worried about it because he was drafted fairly recently. Yeah. So I think a lot of this is just kind of, you know, being starstruck or not even starstruck. I just mean like the process is all entirely new for this kid. So I'm not going to judge him too hard on his first hundred days in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I have to remind myself that, like, you know, Mike Trout sucked his first year. So many superstars were just, you know, so bad their first year, especially when they come up so young. The thing that worries me, though, is that Andrew Vaughn was drafted as a college first baseman, and those guys, everyone, like all the prospect evaluators say, if you're going to draft a college first baseman, they need to rake because defensively they're not giving you anything. Base running, they're not giving you anything. It's really hard for them to provide value outside of their hitting. So they need to be able to like hit and hit right away. So the idea was like, okay, we're going to draft Vaughn. And within two years, he's going to hit right away because that's really the only thing he can do. And he hasn't been doing it. There hasn't even been flashes of him like, oof, wow, you see that Vaughn laser? Like, I know he hasn't hit a homer yet. I don't really care about that. It's just the lack of, like, hard-hit balls, you know, stuff like that. I'm just, like, yeah, not I mean, you can all. pick out from a big pool of terrible Vaughn anecdotes. It's There's nothing has been really good. I mean, the best part has probably been his fielding, and that's not great. But that is probably the best thing he's done, which is he's probably been better than Eloy at left field. Man. That is true, and how embarrassing for Eli. Well, I think also to your point about he can't do anything at first base. Well, maybe not, but he can do something at left field. Yeah, if he becomes like a slightly below average left fielder, then I'm actually kind of more optimistic about Andrew Vaughn because I think you and I both want Eli at DH immediately. Like the second he returns, just make him a DH, forget about it for the next five years. So if Vaughn can play left field, figure things out, awesome. But if he's like just a bad first baseman who is going to take a couple years longer to hit than we thought, that's like not that exciting for this team because we need a guy right now to hit. Yeah, and I never thought that was fair to him. Of course, he's going to step up to the plate, you know, as a major league player, but it's not fair to ask a rookie to be a DH left fielder, first baseman at an elite level. So again, I'm. Uh, it's all bad. It has been, at least from a batting perspective, which is what he's supposed to bring. But I'm going to give him at least, I don't know, 100 games before I do any real judgment. I, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about all these, like Yerm too, is just like, it's great or it's terrible, but... Let's see where it is before I, you know, judge him too hard. Right now, he's just not, he's not contributing Vaughn at the plate. So, we'll see. You have to give him a chance because, I mean, what else are you going to do? Trade him? Right now, his value probably couldn't be lower. I mean, I guess the alternative is 
call it like once Adam Angle is healthy, you just start Adam Angle in left field and just have kind of like a really good defensive outfield and send Vaughn right back to the minors because the minor leagues are starting, I think, in like two weeks. That's true. So I yeah, don't I think Vaughn take... has that long of a timeline, actually. I think it's really, you point. need to show something yeah. in two weeks. Yeah, I could see him getting sent down real easily then. I, if, if it was my choice, I'd take Angle. God, I hate Adam Engel. Gives you. Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I think... I just like, hate him. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, he's just like a dime a dozen player. At this he's point, fast. he'd be... Yeah, he's fast as hell, and he like is really good defensively. I would take him in a heartbeat over Andrew Vaughn right now. So yeah, that, no doubt. as much as I dislike Engel, like, I think that's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah, with Angle, I get two out of th- two of three choices I can make with him that I, you know, don't get with Vaughn. I could put him in a as a base runner or a defensive specialist. Vaughn doesn't have either of those traits. He's either hitting or he's, you know, sub replacement. Right. Anyone else on the hitting side that? kind of concerned about like maybe oh it's not just a blip we'll see where we're at in 100 games like oh this actually kind of changes my perception of this hitter anyone off to a cold start that's worrisome um not really no one else i'm super concerned about uh, i mean there's a handful of guys to be worried about but like abreu mancada grandal i mean those guys are all a little worried right now worrisome but it's it's been two or three weeks i think they'll all you know normalize um but they need to do it soon because i mean kind of the theme of the show has been guys we didn't expect to be good have been really good so as long as those guys are really good these they have a few more weeks to figure out what's going on is is anyone really concerning you no, but it's it's interesting that you say that because like I'm looking at the lineup now, and yeah, it's disappointing we're eight and nine, but that could also be a reason to be hugely optimistic that we're eight and nine with like six our six best hitters as being terrible. Like Abreu, literally, as you were speaking, just at his second homer of the game, you know, Grandal is a homer tonight. So Yoan like has looked so much better this last week. So yeah, I don't think any of the heavy hitters have concern. Like I'm not concerned at all. Like, not even a little bit. Um, yeah, as I was answering your question, Abreu was hitting that home run, and I was just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not concerned. Yeah. It concerns me how I might have been so wrong about Adam Eaton. I don't love being wrong, and I gave Adam Eaton a lot of shit. I think you and I both hated that signing. He's right. been really we started the, We started the show talking about where we were right with Rodon. Let's get to where we were wrong with Eaton and also just talk about the phenomenon that is Adams Eaton 2021. So, you know, Yerm is like a supernova. It it can't even be graded against other players because it's just the numbers are so ridiculous. So when you're talking about like more reasonable or you know comparable to their career performances but like a breakout Eaton is the player to talk about here because he's been better than he's ever been in his 
whole career, but still within reach of numbers that he's, you know, touched before or gotten close to. So it's not like he's setting the world on fire, record-breaking, but he's playing really, really well. Yeah, I mean, he's... There was that season with the Sox when he just started hitting homers. He just hit, like... I'm looking at stats now. He hit 14 homers. His career high was three before that. So, like, he's put a season where he's hit some homers. He's had a season where he, like, drew his walks and was just awesome at the top of the order. And the people who said in the offseason, you just wait. Once he gets healthy, that old Adam Eaton's going to come back. I, like, scoffed at them. Like, you idiot. He's horrible. He's toast. He's trash. Like, I was so wrong. They were right. I'm sorry, Adam Eaton's healthy and he's good. And I'm annoyed that that's the case, especially because we were like doubly wrong. I think you and I specifically said, man, the Cubs made a great signing with Jock Peterson. He's been like terrible for them. He's been like one of the worst players in baseball, like horrible defensively. I think has like 30 strikeouts already, something ridiculous. So as wrong as we were about Jock Peterson, we were super wrong about Adam Eaton just a double dose of like being extremely wrong. And I'm sorry to everyone who is right. Yeah. Uh, He's been great. We were really down. So apologies to Adam Eaton. You're doing great. Um, But there's something I want to talk about too, which is like, if, if the guys who normally play really well, like you said, there's reasons to be optimistic. If those guys all start playing well and these three or four superstar performance or performance type players cool off, that's a really good team that's really humming then. So if they can merge that, you know, mojo, this team could go on a big win streak. And, you know, we're eight and nine, not probably where anyone wants to be but not horrible either we're not the yankees who are you know deep in confusion worst ops in the league i mean we're 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 getting by and we potentially skyrocket with this lineup somehow yeah i think like the the reason i thought the Sox might be insanely good like the chance for us being insanely good was both the offense and the pitching would be humming at the same time. But after the first, like, 16 games, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think what's going to make us good is that they can take turns being bad. We can have our top six hitters just be horrible. And then Giolito, Lynn, Keuchel, Rodon now are just like, we got it. But now Lance Lynn he is injured. He's going to miss a start. Giolito just got shelled. Rodon, who knows how long this will last and we just see now Abreu, Grandal, Luis Roberts. Well, we got it. So I think like the floor is higher for this team than I thought because I was like so worried about the individual downsides of players. I kind of missed the forest for the trees. Like, oh, there's a lot of talent on this team. It's going to be really hard for us to win less than like 85 games. And I think 85 would be a disappointment. Like, I think you and I would both be disappointed with that. We wouldn't make the playoffs. But it's nice to have a really high floor where like every game is competitive. Every series is like, oh, this is an important series because we're trying to make the playoffs. It's a different mindset for White Sox baseball. Yeah, and there definitely is, at least early for me, 
these series already matter because I don't know. I have expectations and hopes and dreams for this team, so I'm I'm buying the Sox right now as stabilizing after a really kind of rough start in places. So I'm excited again. It's good. I was freaking out for a few weeks there. But I have a specific player question. Oh yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, specific player question about Kopech. Do you, as dominant as he's been in the bullpen, do you want to see him in the rotation? Not yet. I, I like how they're managing him. I don't think we like need to see him start yet. You want to see Kopech start? I like how they're managing him too. I like how they're clearly building his arm back up. I would like them to continue that. Like, I think he just got, what was that, like 50, 60 pitches in that, like, three inning start? Right. I'd like to see if he can do 70, then 80, then, like, but give him a random spot start and say, like, if you need 100 pitches, you got 100. And if you want to go back to the bullpen, like, as a long man, like, fine. But I would, I think it's important for the Sox to see earlier rather than later. Is this a guy who can go out and hold that velocity for 100 pitches? Is he a guy who, like, is still a starter? Because, I mean, someone's Lance Lynn already went to the IL. Someone else is going to – it's going to happen. We're going to have pitching injuries. Let's find out in May if Kopech is going to be the guy to take that spot. I guess that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I hear that. I think a lot of that is – I mean – do you think a pitcher is more valuable just because they're a starter, like they're in the rotation? When I think about the Sox rotation, I think of guys who could potentially get hurt, throw a lot of pitches, uh, get blown up. I see a lot of opportunity, useful opportunity, for a long reliever with this staff, personally. I mean, I think it's almost as valuable as a starter. I mean, it's an interesting question because is like a average starter who goes 150 innings, is that more valuable than an absolutely dominant reliever? I think it's probably equal if by advanced metrics, but we already have like four rock solid starters. If you can, I, I guess I'm considering Rodon a rock solid starter. Cease is rock a fifth. solid all star. Cy Young. Cy Young, we have four Cy Young winners. It's going to be a tough four-way tie this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, like, Kopech's upside on this team is definitely in the bullpen. But, I mean, we like we have Aaron Bummer. We have Liam Hendricks. We have Cody Hoyer. We have, we have other bullpen stars. So I'm thinking, like, long-term, what's Michael Kopech's broad upside here it's absolutely as a starter so are we really gonna wait to 2022 to see if he's that like let's let's see if he can go seven innings strike out 13 maybe you trade him maybe that like uh big outfield bat that we really need i would hate to see him go i like i really love kopech but see if we can develop into this like huge trade piece that is just massively valuable which can only happen in the rotation yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of like good on where he's at, and I'm willing to give him an, a year. Like, I just am. I think Sox are going to reload again next year, and I think he'll be a bigger 
a bigger piece part of the plan then. I mean, this is a guy who's had a lot of injury issues. Yeah. And if he has one more big arm injury, any trade value that you're talking about goes away instantly. He still has, I would I think he's a known name. He's a known commodity around the league. So I think his trade value today is higher than it's ever been. I just don't. Oh, yeah. Ah, I don't know. No, that's a good point. I mean, his trade value is. where things are right now. I, I want to see him slowly build up and, you know, then take their time and not just rush into whatever gets them, you know, a few wins here and there. He is, I mean, take away, like, the stats in the future. He Right now, he is so fun to watch. Like, I, a lot of uh, watching Kopech before his injury was just this, like, nervous hope, like, please don't get injured. Like, I, this is really exciting, but I'm so nervous. Where now, you can tell he's confident, he's happy, his stuff looks amazing. It's just, it's so happy to see these guys come back after injury, Rodan, Kopech, and their stuff is awesome, and they're so confident, and... Just mowing guys down. Like, batters have no chance against Kopech sometimes when he locates the fastball. And how many guys can you say that about in the league where, oh, if I locate my fastball, there's a 0% chance you're making contact? He's yeah, in a league company like with that. Top 30 fastball thrower conversation, then. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I also like the little, I don't know, viewer momentum boost you get when it's like oh it's the fifth inning oh Kopech's coming in oh okay nice it is nice like the random fifth inning like it's 850 you're thinking like do I want to watch the rest of the game oh Kopech's in hell yeah I'm watching the next two innings right yeah and this team keeps you interested for sure yeah there's a lot it's an exciting team um I have one more person I want to talk about who's probably been our best player who's supposed to be good and I'm going to nominate Luis Robert for that that title of you know he's he's not blowing up doing everything but he's having a really solid start to the year after a disastrous end of last year yeah I think, well, I two points about Robert. One's a question. Are you happy that he's hitting, are you happy with him hitting seventh, or do you want to see him bumped up to, like, lead off second or even third? Um, I would like to see him second, if anywhere, but I'm fine with where he's at. I think the lineup's pretty solid right now, the way it's structured. It's just, it they disperse all the good bats all over the place. I like it. I, I really like how they built the lineup. But uh, I don't know. I think you'd have to, what is it, Mankata and Eaton switching out in the two-hole? Yeah. I mean, you got Eaton is playing better, so you have to put Eaton in second. I mean, if you're going to say, you know, you want to bat your best players in the top spots. Yeah, I mean, I guess the specific question then is, do you swap Luis Robert and you want Moncada? Like, well, Moncada is struggling, but heating up a little bit. Do you drop Moncada down to like six and bump Robert up to third? Which I don't know. I mean, the future of Luis Robert is hopefully that like number three superstar hitter. He's, I think we all think he's going to get there eventually. Maybe not right now, but just that like 
Mike Trout, Pencilman, number three for the next 10 years. Like, that's Luis Roberts' ceiling. So, so to see him seventh is like, man, that's really nice, but shouldn't he shouldn't he kind of uh, be 3-4, you know, this superstar? I think his day will come. I don't even know if he is a three-hitter. I kind of see him ceiling two, like, super elite one or two hitter. Just because of the yeah. athleticism. I don't think he has like I I don't know. That those are some some of the three hitters are some of the best players in the game. We'll see. I don't know if he's there yet. Everyone says that's the hope. We'll see. I yeah, I agreed. I'm fine with where he is now, but um the thing I mean, that stands those out Those are established guys you want to take out of the lineup because of you want Robert to develop into Abreu. I mean Abreu's earned that three right. goal. I mean, you got to think about things like that too. It's like and Eaton too and Mancata. It's like, uh, well, they were already there, and you got to give them at least a month. I think. I mean, Mancata's already been bumped down in the lineup. You're gonna bump him down twice. He's gonna write a song about it, and it's gonna be heartbreaking. Probably awesome too. He's probably in the studio right now working on it. <laughs> yeah, that's why he struck out two times today. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I love Moncada I I really do but it's it's good if it's not already here the day is coming quick where Luis Robert is just like objectively better than him like maybe I'm behind in that maybe most people have just accepted that as a fact already Luis Robert is a better player than Yoan Moncada but I think like it's getting hard for even me to reject that yeah. I mean, he's definitely one's going up and one's going down at the moment. Mankata yeah. could easily get back and start hitting, but at the moment he's pretty bad. But I think like Luis Robert too. It's, I mean, still it was a sixty-game season last year. We're eighteen games in now. I think it's pretty clear he's going to be an incredibly streaky hitter for a couple of years, probably, where the highs are just so incredibly high. But then the lows are like, oh my god, this is the worst player on the field. Both teams right now, he cannot even see that that's a slider. Like he, he can't even recognize a breaking ball. But the high is like, that's, holy shit, it's amazing. Yeah, and you know that's what I'll, when you say he'll be a three hitter, that's always what holds me back. It's like he just to me he doesn't have that plate discipline that a three hitter has. So I don't know if he ever fits. Right now, I don't prototype him as that type of player. We'll see if he can start hitting breaking pitches as well as he hits fastball, and you know, then sure. But right now, he's he's got a long way to go too. But he's he been great so far. So Andy stole a base tonight, so he's on pace for like around thirty. And I did place that Luis Robert most stolen bases bet, uh, and he really needs to have a, a shot at forty. So he's kind of on pace to have a shot, which is exciting too. Oh, yeah. We're all rooting for your bet. <laughs> Have any of your bets just, like, fallen apart, like, right away? Like, oh, God. Well, Andrew Vaughn, Rookie of the Year, I think is... Uh, <laughs> I think that one might be sailing. He's not, you know, three weeks in or whatever it is. But it's not been good so far. I think he he might be, like, number f- the fourth best rookie on the Sox. Like, it is, it is not a good Rookie of the Year campaign for him. Yeah. Also, I think our magical bet 
both of our rookie of the year bets. Oh God, yeah, not looking good. Oh, I had one one more rookie. I, I wrote down. I forgot to mention about being concerned. Are you concerned that Garrett Crochet's fastball is like not that awesome anymore? It was like one hundred two last year. Now he's like ninety five, ninety six. Does that concern you at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't have great control. No. So you go from a freak number like 102 to 95, which is fairly pedestrian in Major League Baseball, That that's nothing then. Then you're just a guy who can't locate. Yeah, it's, I feel like it should be a bigger storyline. I know the team is stacked with talent, but like that was our first round pick last year, and he was electrifying last year. And if he's only throwing ninety five, and he doesn't have a third pitch, like not only is he definitely not a starter, he's not even an impact reliever. He's like worse than Aaron Bummer for sure. So did we really like spend a first round pick on a guy who's going to be like your fifth best reliever? That's a huge disappointment. Because everyone said that last year, like, oh, he's going to be a starter. Like, this kid has Chris Sale potential. Not at 95 without a changeup. That is just like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sale probably, uh, is he still pitching? He's coming, I think he's coming back. He's like, uh, I think in a couple months he's supposed to come back from Tommy John. Yeah, he'll come back at 95 now at age whatever he is, 30-something, and he'll He's got the benefit of being able to locate pitches, but yeah, uh, it's definitely concerning. I don't know if I'm doom and gloom just because I feel like pitch speed kind of fluctuates. It's definitely low, like low, low. Seven miles is... He wasn't averaging 102, so it's probably not fair. I think he averaged like 100, which is great, but... uh, Definitely a concern when you lose your best attribute. So, luckily we're loaded, but, I mean, not great if we spent the first-round draft pick for two weeks. Yeah. Because that's essentially what we got. It was a so fun we'll two weeks. It was, it was. It was great. I was all in. I was like, yeah, yeah. forget Kopech. Who's <laughs> that? We got Crochet. We're good. So we'll see. I mean, like I said, l- luckily we we have reinforcements in the pen, so it's not. It's like Andrew Vaughn. It's like okay, so if he's bad, that's fine. That's but if like crochet, that. if crochet and Vaughn, and Collins, and Zach Birdie, are all bad, like <laughs> that's just like four or five straight draft picks. And Madrigal's like fine, but not very good. Just like the ninth hitter, who's like all right. It's like, oh, is this really the way we want to start a rebuild with no good prospects remaining because the ones we called up are kind of just like, ugh, so disappointing. Yeah. That's something to worry about for another day, though. I mean, it's... Well, I think if you want to say you're worried about the Sox drafting capabilities, that's 100% warranted. But they did... It, they at least know that they're bad at it because they traded for everyone else's prospects. <laughs> Yeah, they trade for everyone else's, and they get every stud prospect out of Cuba. So, like, it's it's working out at the end of the day. Right, right. So, I mean, it's not like we don't have young players that are really good at cost control. We do. We just got there in a kind of unconventional way, and now we have all these blue chip pieces that might actually be hollow. Okay. Right. Interesting. But 
it's someone, it's something to have in the back pocket. So I, yeah, I'm not terribly worried about all these things. I feel like you can get a deep, like if crochet is terrible, you can get a crochet like player, like a terrible pitcher wherever. So it's like, okay, we probably would have had a terrible pitcher on the bullpen anyway. So oh, you bet we would. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new Jimmy C everyone. Yeah, you don't worry about that. We got plenty of terrible pitchers to go around. All right. Well, that's pretty much all the guys I wanted to talk about for the Sox, sort of picking up the slack and who's leaving slack all over the floor. Is there anyone else you want to get into? No. No, Crochet was the last one. I was like, oh, I forgot. I was actually kind of super disappointed in him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll end on a down note of Garrett Crochet <laughs> was a total bust and uh, stocks can't draft for shit. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with some more Carlos Rodon prophecies spun from Don's. Where, where are you spinning those prophecies from, Don? Um, just my uh, room with my vision board, you know, <laughs> making the vision board. All right, thanks for listening. Well, Angel Hernandez blew the call, and the infield being back should have cost him the game. It didn't. Right there, he's safe. He, he is safe. Have the ball. And another blow called by Hernandez. unbelievable.